Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Songs that we have sung this morning that you have shared with us, and the choir song, the special number, and the wonderful selection of scriptures that were chosen today, men's right, those are a beautiful presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation you've heard this morning already. We are here today to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, first day of the week, Sunday. We join with our brothers and sisters around the world and throughout the centuries and the millennium to celebrate this day as the day that Christ rose from the dead and has given us new life. And we've made it clear this morning through the music and through the word that Jesus Christ offers forgiveness for sins and salvation to you because God loves you so much. And God wants you to be a part of his family, the church, the body of Christ. And we do invite you to come and to receive Christ as your Savior. Amen? Amen. Amen. And let's start today with the ending from last week in 2 Timothy chapter 2 because it's so appropriate. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, it's so appropriate for what we have shared already this morning. And that is this phrase we ended it with last week, the last section, the last paragraph. And that is chapter 2. In verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we seek now for a few moments to genuinely remember and to reflect on your wonderful love given us through our Savior Jesus Christ, name above all names. We come to you now and ask you to allow our hearts to continue to worship as we have uh, these past few moments and consider your word and our Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that we have through his salvation given to us freely. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Remember, Jesus Christ. It almost seems kind of odd that Paul would have to stop and say that, but it's something that we need to do. We need to stop and remember. Jesus Christ. And you notice he says, raised from the dead. And at the end of that passage, we ended last week, therefore, verse 10, I endured, I want you to notice that word, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Who are the elect? The elect are all who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. God's family, the church, the body of Christ. I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And then we have what's called here a faithful saying. You notice if you have a, you may have a subtitle in your uh, Bible, mine has God is faithful. And Paul begins by saying this, here is a trustworthy saying. And he has said this several times. This is something that's worth listening to, something that's worth paying attention to. And you'll notice, in, if you have a translation like a newer one, you'll notice that it's written in a literary form that suggests sort of a poetry or a hymn. be very similar to the Old Testament uh, poetry and sections of the Psalms that you read. And you'll notice the section from verse 11 through verse 13 is written in this uh, hymn form of, of stanzas. And there's some question, was this an early Christian hymn that they sang? 
that Paul is now incorporating into this letter and say, you've heard this. This is, a, this is a faithful saying. This is trustworthy. I want to remind you of this. Or is this something that Paul has written in his epistle? This is original, uh, from inspired by God to Paul. Either way, it's in the Bible, so it's, it's inspired. Uh, Paul was a, a very a fine Jewish scholar. He was very familiar with Old Testament hymnology and the Psalms. And there's no reason Paul couldn't have written this as well in this form as, as a hymn. But look, let's look at, let's look at the, this is something you need to consider in its entirety and we'll go back through it. Here it is, a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So we need to think of this as, 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 as a whole hymn, as, as, a, as a whole piece here of writing. And, but yet each, each of the stanzas is, is, is so deep and, and, and would be worthy of a, a, a contemplation and a meditation in itself. Uh, we could spend a long time on each one, but let's just consider this. First of all, if we died with him we will also live with him. And in the Greek language, this conditional phrase, if, can also be understood as since, as this, and then this. This is a, an important theme in Paul's writings. This idea that, that we died with Jesus Christ, this is, this is a deep thought. But the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, he says, don't you know that for those of you who know Christ as Savior, that you, were, you died with him on the cross. You were buried with him in baptism. You were risen from the grave. And you were already seated with Christ in the heavenlies. These are all things that have taken place. And I know that's a deep thought. But the Apostle Paul tells, and it's wrapped up in this one word, identification. I carry identification. When I go to the airport, they ask for my ID, right? And I take out my ID and I give them my new enhanced Washington driver's license. And it identifies me. As a resident of the state of Washington, I am identified with Washington. And then because the state of Washington is identified with the United States of America, it identifies me as such. But this is my ID. It identifies me as a Washingtonian, if that's okay to say. I don't know if that's, that's the right word. Washingtonian. I lived in Minnesota. I was a Minnesotian at one time. I was a Michigander at one time. <laughs> That sounds like a bird or a duck, doesn't it? Michigander. Paul says, you have been identified with Christ, which means you have been placed into Jesus Christ. And so hence, yes, when Christ died in the cross, because I am now identified with Christ, I died in the cross. My sins were forgiven because Christ died in my place and he took my sins and I'm identified with that. He has risen from the dead and I have been given new life. The resurrection from the dead. Paul says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead according to my gospel. Because it speaks of life over death. We talk today about spiritual life. You have new life in Jesus Christ. We are alive spiritually because of Jesus Christ. We have been identified. And we also have been placed because we are in Christ and he is with God in the heavenlies. Our citizenship, right? Our citizenship is in the heavens, even while we are here on earth, citizens. I'm a citizen of the, of the state of Washington, the United States of America, identified in Washington, but I'm also a citizen of heaven. And so Paul says here, 
if you died with Christ, remember, if you died with him, you will also live with him because it's already taken place. And that is a guarantee you will live with him. Since we died with him, we will also live with him. But the next phrase, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And of course, this would raise the question, what if we don't endure? Remember, we talked last week, this is a critical time in church history. This is toward the end of Paul's life. This is toward the end of the apostolic era. And it is a difficult time. Persecution is ramped up. It is a dangerous time. And Paul is counting on Timothy to be faithful to teaching the word. We've, this is a, the theme of this. I have a book by John R. Stott written years and years ago. I've always kept a small book called Guard the Gospel. And it's, and it's a book on 2 Timothy. Guard the Gospel. And that's my title for this series, to guard the gospel because it's in danger. Paul says it's dangerous times. People are changing it. People are changing the message. People are moving away from this precious truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for our sins. He's fully the Son of God, the God Himself. He loves us and He draws us to Himself. Guard that message. And Paul says here, if we endure, if we endure, we will reign with Him. Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. And this idea, this connection of enduring with Christ and, and, and staying faithful to what he's called us to do as part of being part of, of the glory that he will have as he reigns over all and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. Endure. And then he goes on to say this, this next phrase. If we disown him, and I put in parentheses, because I, I think the better word is deny him. If we disown, if we deny him, he will also disown us. This raises the question. Legit, legitimately so. Does this raise the question? Does this mean that once we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we could lose that salvation? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Behold, all things are new. All things are passed away. Is it possible to be a new creation and then become an old creation and then become a new creation and then become an old creation? In our church, unabashedly, we teach what's known as the perseverance of the saints. We teach eternal security. We believe that when a person is saved, genuinely saved, they are a new creation for all eternity and that God will see to that. Paul says here, if we disown him, he will, he will deny us. And is this speaking of those who, they might be part of this church, but they flat out, they flat out deny him, they disown him. Will it be the same as those that Lord Jesus Christ said? There'll be some that stand before me. Did we not do all these miracles in your name? Cast out demons. And he said, I never knew you because you really never did embrace me. And so we have to leave that question. Is he, is he speaking here of those who never have fully accepted Christ as Savior, but they have disowned, they have denied him and they continue to deny him. And will they be disowned or denied by Christ? And then we come to this, this last one that wraps it all up. You can't have the other three without this fourth one. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Why? For he cannot deny himself. He cannot disown himself. So the end of the story is, Paul says, listen, and Paul's going to tell Timothy in a, in a little bit here, he's going to tell him about some who are no longer faithful as they should be. Timothy, stay faithful. It's a hard time. And there are times in life where it's hard maybe to stay faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's called us to do. And, 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 we, and we go through those times of difficulty and challenge and, 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 and setting aside maybe even, if we are faithless, think of Peter. 
You know, when we think of denying Christ, I think of the Apostle Peter. Three times. And Jesus, Jesus foretold, he says, listen, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. I will never deny you. Not only did he deny him, he cursed up and down. I never met the man. He denied him. Did Christ deny him? Did Christ set him aside and say, I now disown you, you are done? No, Peter went through a phase where he was faithless there. And afterward, he wept bitterly. And what did Jesus do? He calls Peter by the sea. The day they, they come for breakfast, after the resurrection, and Jesus, Jesus calls Peter aside. And I'm, I, I can imagine Peter is just thinking, you, what would you expect? No, I'm going to get it, <laughs> right? And wouldn't you expect at least some, you know, um, uh, reminder and, and, and some condemnation and something? Well, Peter, I hope that never happens again. Peter, why did you, by the way, Peter, why did you deny me? Jesus doesn't even mention it. He never mentions it. He never even brings it up. Instead, he says, Peter, do you, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? Peter, do you really love me? Lord, you know I love you. And Peter, you have important work to do. Take care of my flock. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Why? Because it is eventually, it is God's work that is at stake, and God knows how to take care of what belongs to him. Amen? God knows how to protect what belongs to him. The wonderful passage of Scripture, it's a wonderful hymn. Be beautiful to set this to music and to memorize it and to sing it. Paul says in the next verse, Keep reminding them of these things. Timothy, don't, don't give up. Keep reminding them of these things. We died with him, we will live with him. We endure, we'll be, we reign with him. If someone denies, disowns Christ, he will be disowned, denied. You, you have to have genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to be part of that group. Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. There is hope. And God's love and mercy and grace extends to us as believers in our daily walk. And there's not a one of us here today, friend. I mean, one of the values and the beauties of coming on Sunday morning and sharing this time together is to be reminded of how much God loves us. We all know how imperfect we are. We all know how needy we can be. We all know our priorities need to be continually be reminded of what, what is the most important thing when it comes down to it. In our Bible study at home last week, our small group Bible study, we were reminded uh, by one of our members who, uh, who, who talked about last week at the, as we closed the service and we, and we closed with our final hymn and her attention was just drawn to the cross. And the Lord just spoke to remember, just, yes, that's what it's about. Remember Jesus Christ as we sang those songs and as we lead and worship and sing these songs today. And our focus is, is on the cross to remember how much God loves us and how good he has been to us. Paul says, Timothy, keep reminding them. Don't get tired of this. As a pastor, as a teacher, as a leader, keep reminding them of these things. Now look at this next section. We're going to see three kind of parts to this next section. And I want to start with the middle verse. And then we're going to come back to before and after. I want you to look at the verse 15. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, 
Remember, Timothy's a young man. Paul's about to be martyred. He's about to be executed. And it's clear from the end of this book, we'll see that. There's no doubt about it. He's counting on Timothy and some other young men to, to pick up the mantle. And he says, Timothy, do your best to present yourself, verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman, not one who works for salvation, but a laborer like I am, Paul says, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, I learned this in the King James Version because, well, I'm old, okay? <laughs> and I was reading something this last week in the King James. We were talking about something. And, you know, especially in the Old Testament, when you come to a passage in the King James that's a little bit kind of difficult, it's probably because it's very literal. It translates it very literal. And I learned this. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, what? Rightly dividing the word of truth. This is sort of the key verse for Awana, right? Awana, the acronym for Awana, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. A-W-A, what's the thing? What? Need not be ashamed. Sorry, get that. Workman that needeth not be ashamed. That's the acronym that Awana came from when it founded uh, many years ago in Chicago. And we've learned this verse. And, 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 and the, the part of this verse that is, that's the word that's kind of difficult to translate is a word that comes across in the King James, rightly dividing the word of truth. The NIV has correctly handling the word of truth. And the reason for that is it's a, it's a word that's not used very much in Scripture. And in fact... The only place where this particular word that's either rightly dividing, correctly handling, the only other place it's really found is in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Now, the reason that's important is the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was translated into Greek. And that Old Testament translation became the working Bible of the apostles. Paul usually quotes from the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And it comes in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Who can quote that for me today? Any money from one, huh? Well, it's that nice and loud. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, here we go. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will what? Direct your paths. Very good. Thank you, Rita, for getting us started on that, huh? That last phrase, and he will direct your paths, that's the word. It's he will direct. That's the word that is also used here in Timothy for rightly divide, handle correctly. And in the King James of the Old Testament, and he will direct your paths. And so the idea comes across, it comes from a word in the, in the Hebrew translated into Greek, the Greek language that means Maybe to cut a straight path, if you were cutting through a field, if you were going, if you were the one set out before the army and the Roman army and you had to lead the way and you had to cut the path if there was no road. It was also used of one who, who cut a stone and shaped it and cut it just right so it fit. So the constant idea of, of, of cutting, that's where the word dividing comes from. And the word, but there's no word path or road here in Timothy, but this is the only place we have to connect it with. So what does what Paul seem to be saying here? Paul says, listen, Timothy, 
Do your best. King James, study. You know, do your best to present yourself to God as an approved laborer, one who is willing to do the work, what? Who does not need to be ashamed by how you live. That you have no shame in that. But instead, you are one who cuts a straight path with God's word, who handles God's word correctly so it fits right, who rightly divides the word of truth and understands as we look at the entire scripture, how we understand God's unfolding plan of salvation. And we see how in this era, this dispensation of the church, the body of Christ, what God is doing today, this wonderful new entity where Jew and Gentile are invited freely apart from any works of the Mosaic law to come by simple grace and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Handle this message correctly. Handle it correctly. This is what matters as a pastor, as a leader, as a teacher. As you know, we are looking for a a new senior pastor. And part of Jim Carlson's coming next week will be to work with the board as we prepare for our our, um, all-day planning meeting in April, which March, which we've had several years, to plan for the future of the church. We continue to plan. And, of course, what will we be looking for? You're looking for a pastor who will come and handle God's word, not to entertain you, right? But to come and handle God's word. We're looking for teachers in our church, and our, whether it's with our children, our youth, or our adults. As Gary said, they were, they were challenged. They had, a, they, uh, they had a teacher at their retreat, Brother McFadden from Phoenix, to challenge them to read. Have you read through Romans 1 to 7? Man, there is some challenging stuff in those sections and some beautiful things, essential teachings. And our young people, they, they, they will be teaching themselves soon. They deserve to have people who handle God's word correctly. You deserve it. God's people deserve it. Handle God's word correctly. Now look what it's bookended with on either side. I want you to notice what it's bookended with on either side. Why does he say this? Back to verse 14. Timothy. Keep reminding of this truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but warn them before God. This is an injunction. Paul says, Timothy, before God Almighty, warn them against quarreling about words. It is of no value, and it only ruins those who listen. Paul says, Timothy, Teach the gospel, teach the word, but warn them as a teacher and as a pastor, don't get caught up in just quarreling over senseless words that only lead to confusion and, 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 and are, have no value. And then look at the other bookend, verse 16. These are the two bookends on this correctly handling God's word. Avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Gross. Gangrene, right? Gangrene. It's a slowly growing decomposing of the flesh, of the body. Gangrene. It says it's just like that. Their teaching will spread like that. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. They've wandered away from the truth. They say the resurrection has taken place and they are destroying the faith of some. So bookended... Handle God's word correctly. Be careful with it. Is is bookended by avoid dissension and, and godless chatter about nonsense. And please avoid teaching that is destroying people. And friends, here's where this is where the challenge is as a Christian. 
you know, you're adults, you're here today, as, you know, we're, we're here today, and you can understand this. We, this is the challenge. The challenge is to find that balance, to find that balance between handling God's Word carefully so it makes sense. So it's, it, it, people see the life-giving gospel of joy, of forgiveness, of peace that passes all understanding, of assurance, of all the beautiful things that God's Word brings to us, but to understand it correctly so that on one hand we don't get diverted into just arguing over things that don't matter or teaching things that are false. There's a balance there. It's not always easy. Can I give you an example of this? Can I? Thank you. Okay, let me give you an example of this. One of the essential doctrines of the Christian faith is what we call the Trinity, right? The Trinity. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are all equally God. They are equally God. What one is, the other is. And I teach our young people in, 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 our, in our class, in our, in our Bible instruction class, formerly confirmation class. We teach them that here's how you understand it. It's a difficult concept. It is difficult. What one is, the other one is. They all share the same essence or substance, but they are three personas or persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is not Father and then Son and Holy Spirit. They are equally God. And this is critical to our understanding of God's salvation because only God is intrinsically holy and only a holy sacrifice can pay for the blackness of sin. But only a human could take my place. And so the incarnation that Jesus Christ is fully God, not like God, not created by God, but fully God is essential to our Christian faith. The Protestant church, the Catholic church, we share this historic doctrine. The, 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 you know, this is something that is essential to our Christian faith. The Orthodox churches as well, we share this. Now here's what happened. The early centuries, this was a huge debate. A huge faction of the church was arguing, no. Jesus Christ is not fully God. That does not make sense. He was the first created being of God. He is below God, but he is like God. And you know what it came down to? It comes down to this. I'm just showing you that there's sometimes to balance. Yes, we don't want to argue over words, but then sometimes words make a big difference. The difference in this is one letter. You notice the iota here? And two Omicrons there in the Greek. This is the English transliteration. Homoousios or homoousios, homoousios. One letter, a little iota, makes the difference in this. One of these means he's of the same substance. He is equal to God. The other means he is like God. He was created by God. And then the early Christian creeds, as they debated this, they said, no, it is the first. This is what the Bible teaches. And you could say, wow, who's going to argue over an Yoda? <laughs> right? Not Yoda, Yoda. Who's going to argue over that? Well, listen, in this case, it makes all the difference in the world. So what am I saying? Friends, as mature adults, we have, we have to be able to find that balance. It's, it's your responsibility and it's my responsibility to find that balance in our lives. 
where we know what is essential and what is this arguing over things that don't really matter, where it's okay to have different opinions and agree to disagree. I meet with our shoreline pastors. We meet once a month. We had a wonderful fellowship this last month. Good turnout. We have different views on scriptures. We can agree to disagree on those things, but we agree on the essentials and the fundamentals. And in each church, we, we teach these, but we have this unity. That's part of being a mature Christian adult. And, and we, this is what we need, to, we need to be. And we certainly don't want to be the kind of people that come across just arguing and divisiveness over things that are not essential. So that our testimony to the world is, yeah, they can't agree on anything. Christians are just combative and judgmental and this and that and everything. We need to find that balance. There are some things that, yes, these are essential. And our, so our young people read Romans 1 through 7. They're going to come across some really essential truths of Scripture to wrestle with, Gary, that you're going to help them continue on. But friends, this is God's Word. The, out, the, the, the outcome, if we're not careful, is false teaching. And, and I'll, I'll just tell you, we, our church, we, we don't, there's, a, there's false teaching today, the prosperity gospel. That God, God intends everybody to be healthy and wealthy and, and in a wonderful situation. And if you're not, there's something wrong with your faith. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh my. Oh my. Some of the most faithful and, and Christians that have impacted my life the most have suffered through some horrible things. And some are no longer here with us. I would like everybody to be healthy. I'd like you all to be wealthy. But the Apostle Paul wasn't. And our Lord Jesus Christ, mother, as we looked at at Christmas time, couldn't even afford a decent offering. When they went to bring the offering, they had to bring the offering of the common people. Listen, friends, God has, wants us to understand the gospel as the gospel of his sovereignty, his grace, and his love, his protection. And listen, God's word. Isn't it beautiful? Where would we be without the Word of God? Where do you go for, for comfort? Where do, where do I go when I sit down with someone before four-way bypass surgery? You know, what do you read? Where, where do I go when I need strength and encouragement? There's some beautiful scriptures. I look into the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Behold, he that keepeth Israel, will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your shade. On your right hand, the sun will not strike you by day, the moon by night. The Lord is your keeper from this day forward and forevermore. I love that psalm because my name, Shemari, is in there six times. Guarded by God. <laughs> guarded by God. The Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have peace with God. God's love has been shed abroad in our hearts. Where do you, it's God's word that we find these everyday practical, comforting, strengthening, encouraging words. It's God's word that takes us to these deep discussions over an iota that lead us to, to comprehend, understand, yes, he is, I don't get it all, I can't, but he, the Bible says he is truly God. This deep passage that says, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? He cannot deny himself. We've got these parameters of the Holy Bible 
that we, that we come to. We do not worship the Bible. We worship God. God's word speaks to our hearts and to our world to draw us to him, to help us to grow. And friends, let's find that balance in our lives. Let's never apologize. Let's never apologize that, yes, we believe studying and knowing and teaching and learning God's word has great value. And we will never apologize when when times are just so difficult and hard that we can't explain why we find such comfort of a simple phrase like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You don't have to dissect it. You don't have to go to the Greek. It says the same thing in the Greek as it says in the English. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's word. What a, what a treasure. What a blessing to sing about it. Every song we sung today was based on the message from God's word. Read God's word. Yes, study God's word. Contemplate God through his word. But apply God's word. Paul says, so that I will, that Timothy, I don't want you to be ashamed. Don't tell me you, you teach and understand the grace of God if, if, you're, not a, if you're not a gracious person. <laughs> Those two don't match up. If you really understand God's grace, you will be a gracious person. If you really understand God's love, you will be a loving person. If you really understand the kindness of God, you will be a kind person. If you really understand the truth of God, you won't be afraid to preach the truth of God. Friends, this is God's word. Timothy, Jim, you put your name in there. Do your best to show yourself an improved workman, a laborer before God who doesn't have to be ashamed, who correctly handles God's word of truth and applies it to your life. Amen. Thank you so much. Only he would try to reach and love one such as I, such as you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And we've, we've sung the gospel. We've shared the gospel today. And I just want to encourage you to, you know, Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. And maybe that, uh, that phrase, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. I just want to encourage you today. God loves you. And we worship a God of new beginnings. Abraham, leave this place and go to a new place where I will show you. I'll show you when you get there. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Arise, go to Damascus. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. We worship a God of new beginnings. Today is the first day of the week. Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. This week is a new beginning. And let's walk with God in joy and in worship and in celebration of resurrection life. In Christ our Savior's name we pray. Amen.